Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, December the 15th, 2020. This is episode 2793, and strap in today, guys. Uh, <clears throat> if I haven't angered you this year, odds are at least half of you will get angry at some point today as I, as I say what I have to say today. Um, <clears throat> mainly because it's true. And so today's show is entitled 10 Things 2020 Taught or Confirmed for Me. And I almost didn't include the word taught. I almost just put 10 Things 2020 Confirmed for Me as a title. But as I thought about that, I, I thought that would be intellectually dishonest. As you're going to hear today, there's probably not anything that I'm going to say today that I haven't said in some form prior to the year 2020. But the difference is I held out some hope of being wrong or partially wrong about these 10 things. That, yeah, this is true mostly, but. And what 2020 has done is push my faith in the majority of humanity to an all-time low and has taken away any doubt that I have about these things that I'm going to cover with you today being factual. And in fact, factual to the point of they cannot be logically argued against with facts. You can't present enough facts in the context of what we've witnessed in the last 12 months to counter them even a little bit. Before I start with all that, though, I do want to say that does not mean, repeat, does not mean... That what I'm saying today applies to everyone. It does not apply to everyone. However, we live in a world ruled largely by democracy. You can scream and shriek and shout about, It's a republic! All you want. All you want. And it will only prove that you fall under at least some of this that we're going to cover today. Because you continue to have faith in something that doesn't work. You're like the person who really believes that that car sitting in their, in their yard that has rusted, the wheels have, have dry rotted off the rims, it's, it's barely not on the ground, it has bird's nests in it, and you think that car will run one day because it used to be a good car, and you think it's going to happen without you doing anything to it, or it's a car that's so far gone, there's nothing that can be done with other than rebuilding it from the ground up, and you think you're going to order parts from the auto parts store and fix it up someday, man, when you get some money like multicolored car guy in high school. Like, if you believe in any of these things that I'm going to murder today for the, for the final stake in the heart of a vampire, you're, you're just clinging to what I've clinged to, to be fair, for the last 12 years that I've been doing this show. Said all these things are true. Always held out hope that I was wrong or that, well, yeah, you're right, but to me it's all dead now. 2020... Basically, I could sum it up this way. It will always be a memory point for anyone who lived through it while being old enough to understand the basics of what was going on. It, it, even my granddaughter, who's four and a half, is going to remember 20. She will tell stories about 2020 someday when she's an adult. Much younger than that, maybe not. Maybe not. They'll, they'll just grow up in this dystopian shithole and believe it was always this way, and they'll think old people like us that tell them about how it used to be are crazy. 
And, of course, it was all about the pandemic. And on that, it may be the most least lethal pandemic in real deaths in recorded history that actually can be called a pandemic. doesn't mean it wasn't a problem. didn't mean that people didn't die from it. But if you look at people that died who probably wouldn't have died within a few months anyway, there's still a lot of people, but compared to something like smallpox, give me a break. It was also a major ass clown circus election year, and that is still being disputed. I expect it's still going to be disputed by some when Biden's no longer in office and he's feeding seagulls ice cream in Florida. That at that point, they'll still be, people will still be litigating this election when Biden's come and gone. And I do think Biden's your next president, whether you want it to be or not. I, I'm not the person that tells you what you want to hear. I'm telling you the person that tells you what is. And before y'all get all mad at me, I do believe the Democrats stole the election. I'm just saying they're going to get away with it. They're going to get away with it. For me, the real lessons of 2020 are not in these events, though, but largely in how people responded to them. I have to say, again, my faith in humanity is at all-time low. Don't get me wrong. There's still many wonderful people and brave people that will continue to do many great things. But 2020 has shown me the average person in the Western world today is a willfully ignorant coward. Much of what I share won't be new today, like I said. But it will now move, in my mind anyway, from the category of theory to that of confirmed, proven, logic-derived fact. And as we launch into this, let's start out with a quote. I was like, I need a quote to go with this show today. It's, it's all on one thing. I should be able to find a quote for it. And I found something by Alfred North Whitehead that is absolutely sums up 2020 as a whole and the death of knowledge that has come in this year. Not ignorance, but ignorance of ignorance is the death of knowledge. Not ignorance, but ignorance of ignorance is the death of knowledge. Ignorance of ignorance is what I call willful ignorance. But I think old Alfred is actually going a step further. It's not just willful ignorance. The person is so ignorant that they do not even understand that they're ignorant. I mean, here's a simple example of how ignorance of ignorance could be very, very dangerous. Let's say there was an airplane. And I was in the cockpit because I got in there somehow. And, you know, whatever I needed to start the airplane up and make it move was there. And you said, hey, Jack, can you fly an airplane? I go, I think I can figure it out. And I try to fly that airplane with no knowledge of how to do it. Like a big one, too, like a 767 luxury line or something. There's going to be a ball of flames. Except if it's me, there is not going to be a ball of flames because I know that I am ignorant on how to fly a freaking 767. But imagine the person who doesn't know that they're ignorant of how to fly a 767, figuring out how to power the engines up and going on down the runway. Only disaster can come from that. Now, just take that instead of one ignorant person that happened to get behind a 767, take the bulk and the majority of society in their day-to-day -day lives ignorance of, ignorant of their own ignorance and look out your window because there it is. I want to be optimistic. I want to tell you guys that things are going to be okay, and I think for some of you they will be. But I think the first step in getting things to be okay in your life, as best as can be, is to accept these ten things that I'm going to tell you today. 100% accept them. Don't be like me for the last 12 years going, but just accept it. Just like you accepted at some point that certain things you believed in as a child were not true. They were wonderful, beautiful stories. 
They were stories of hope. They were stories of the good guy always winning in the end. That we were always the good guys, by the way. And as you grew up, if you grew up, you realize some of these stories weren't true. The Easter Bunny wasn't really coming and neither was the Tooth Fairy. And just because it's a lovely thought that a little child has her tooth fall out of their mouth, puts it on their pillow, and a magical fairy will appear and put a quarter under their pillow, well, it just doesn't make it real just because it's a pretty thought. And so many things in our society, I would put like that. It's like believing in the tooth fairy is a grown man. So, right out of the gate, number one, anything approaching journalistic integrity is extinct in all legacy media and most new media as well. There is no, there is nothing resembling journalistic integrity left in media. Nothing. And that includes your vaulted Fox News, folks or Newsmax, or whatever. All of these media outlets have an agenda. All of these media outlets are there to create emotional responses in you, not to educate and inform you, period, the end, infinity, including the ones that you think are on your side. All of these media are part of a cabal. The only place you'll get at least honest, independent opinions is media like Survival Podcast and the millions of other outlets like us that are out there. The only way you're getting at least the truth as the person speaking it has come to believe on their own without being programmed and told what they must say is to, to have that media outlet be free of any sort of corporate overlording. If there's a major corporation in charge of that media outlet, it has zero journalistic integrity. And I need you to understand in your heart and your mind what zero means. The absolute absence of anything. Zero. If they happen to tell you something that's factual, it is a fucking accident. Okay? They fucked up and accidentally told you the truth, or they used the truth to sell you a lie The end. Infinity. Fox News has no journalistic integrity. CBS has no journalistic integrity. MSNBC has no journalistic integrity. None of these people have any journalistic integrity. And just because one of them might have been more factual on one subject than the other does not change the calculus that in total they exist to control you, to steer opinion, and to create conflict with your fellow Americans because they want you divided because that's how the corporatocracy and the technocracy takes over is to divide you. None. And that includes new media. It includes big tech like Facebook, Twitter, etc. Of course, you know that, right? But none until you accept that it's zero. It's absolute F all zero. Okay? Until you accept that, you will continue to be controlled by these people. And again, I know we're, some of you will email me and say, well, here, they reported this, and I confirmed that. And so there is, that's not integrity. That's accidentally telling the truth or telling the truth when it's convenient. Neither of those are, are integrity. Integrity is always telling the truth based on the facts and the sources and information that you have in journalism. That should be like Journalism 101 Day One. It isn't. They don't even teach it anymore, let alone pretend that they do. And what's even worse now than even a couple years ago, they don't even pretend that they have integrity. Don't even put up a facade anymore because the average person is so stupid and willfully ignorant that they don't believe anything. 
Anything, no matter what, as long as it comes out of the box. Next, the average person in the Western world is, in essence, an obedient coward who sees themselves as an anti-establishment rebel. The average person, they thinks they're fighting back. And it's the right and the left, folks. I'm sorry, it is. Echo, if you agree. Like, that effing matters. Are you kidding me? Echo, if you agree. Share this. Make it go viral. Trump really won. Like, that matters. Again, it's like a grown-ass man believing in the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy at the same time. It really is. It's asinine. Make this go viral. Echo if you agree. Share a million shares. Who can? Come on. Come on. You're using the very apparatus used to control you and you think you're fighting back. Are you absolutely effing kidding me? You think you're fighting back by posting a picture. You fight back when you live your life in opposition to what they want you to do. Not by posting a freaking picture. The average person in the world is an obedient coward. That's the only way you can mask 330 million people against their will. For them to be obedient cowards. Sure, and they gave you an out so you could be a coward. They gave you an out so you could be a coward and pretend you're not. My mask protects you. Your mask protects me. See, I'm not wearing my mask because I'm afraid. I'm wearing my mask because the guy that was wrong 150,000 times this year said I should after he said I shouldn't. Don't you understand that? And that passes for intelligence. That passes for science. That passes for logic. That passes for fact. Only because the average person, not all, but the average person, the vast majority at this point, are obedient cowards, and they see themselves as fighting back. They see themselves as rebels. They think they're part of the counterculture. There is no counter. The counterculture is dead. The counterculture is a thing that it was in the 60s and the 70s is gone. Counterculture today requires a totally different approach. Counterculture at the time was actually speaking up and fighting back against what was being said. To take a counterposition. Counterculture, counterposition. Today, it is meaningless to take a counterposition. It means absolutely nothing to take a counterposition. You can protest, you can hold up a sign, you can post pictures, you can chant, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't mean diddly square root of F all. It doesn't. The only thing that matters today is actual action in counter of the culture. Living a life independent of their system of control. That's it. Or you're not counterculture, you're not a rebel, you're not fighting back. You can vote all you want. The system stays in charge. If you didn't learn that from 2016 to 2020 with the Trump administration, if you didn't learn that it doesn't matter who the hell you put in office, the system itself, the deep state controls all, then I don't know why you're still listening at all. Not just today. Just saying. Moving on. The public education system is the most dangerous tool the state has. And yet... It is also the most easily countered. The main reason we're in the situation we're in today with obedient, willfully ignorant cowards as the majority of the population is a school system that programmed them and taught them to be ignorant, willfully ignorant cowards. The school system teaches obedience above all, subservience to authority above all. It teaches that a fact, once memorized, becomes a fact forever and cannot be challenged. Until someone in charge says it changed, it doesn't change. 
You can be taught a thing. You can go observe that the thing's not true. You have no right to change the thing until someone says you do. And that's how you can come out and say a medication that clearly helps treat a disease doesn't and get people to parrot it, believe it, and call for the heads of anybody who disagrees. That's the only way you get there. With a public education system conditioning obedience to authority above all. It's also the easiest one to counter. All you have to do is get your kids the F out. Period. You do not have to comply with this. I mean, at this point in history anyway, I don't know how long the door will stay this wide open, but removing your children from school is as easy as doing it. And you can. And no matter what you think about that, you can. And no matter what sacrifice you have to make, it's probably worth it. Because any belief you had that it wasn't really that bad, or at least it did this, should be dead now if you've grown into an adult human being. If you are no longer a child playing with childish things and you have truly put childish things away, you should know the public education system is incredibly dangerous to the minds of individuals and it puts them into a system of obedience and control rather than the ability to think logically, rationally to actually self-educate and to be able to use rhetoric to defend their positions and also to be able to accept challenges to those positions and either be able to go back to facts, logic, and reason and confirm that they're right or confirm that they're wrong. Nothing like that comes from public education at all. The end infinity. It is dead. It is dead, dead, D-E-A, all the way dead, dead. And if you have one ounce of faith in that system, it's because of that system. Let go of it. Next, the most valuable commodity in the coming decade is going to be privacy. Because it empowers every other means of resistance. Your ability to conduct business and commerce and communications with other individuals privately is what will give you the power to do all the things we've talked about resisting through adaptation with. Without privacy, you can't do any of it. That's why there's a war on privacy, to strip your privacy. Because if you're going to control someone and make them your little bitch, you have to take their ability to have any privacy away from them, and you have to make them willingly give it up to the point where they don't even try to resist anymore, and they just accept it, and the vast majority of people have. You can show them what is being done to them. They will groan, grice, and bitch about it, but they won't take a simple step to prevent it. Everything you do is being tracked. Here's a tool to make that not happen. Eh, well, you know... I know they are, but what are you going to do? I don't know. Use the damn tool I just gave you. Really? Everything you do is tracked, recorded, and stored forever. Yeah, but, well... Hey, willfully ignorant cowards. That's how they respond to that. You know, it's... I'd have to install a, a plug-in in my browser. I, I don't even... I don't even know what that is. I'd have to use a different social media platform? Oh, that sounds hard. I'd have to use a different browser? And I'd have to click a button that says turn on this thing called Tor that the TV told me was dangerous? Oh, I better not. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's why it's taken me so long to accept all these is 100% factual. With no exception and no buts. 
you're going to have to work for your privacy and you're going to have no ability to do anything meaningful with resistance to authority unless you do. And you better accept it. Next, it is actually likely that the next 10 years or so, the United States could break into multiple territories. Texas might indeed go first. This is one of the, this is the only one I have today that's not a definite. It's definite that it could. All right. If you want to, if you want to, if I want to hedge my, my statement there. But I think it's more likely now than it's ever been in history. And the reason is because we are more divided than we've ever been in history. I would say the United States today is more divided than it was in the years leading up to the Civil War. It really is. I mean, because mostly, not all, but mostly people in general did actually agree based on where they lived with the kind of the way that things should be. That made it actually kind of a, 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 a clean split, if there is such a thing, for secession. The South's going to do this, the North's going to do that. And there was a, you know, it was a line, Mason-Dixon line, right there. And it fractured. There wasn't, you, you, did you ever notice that? It was Well, that's because it was straight between slave and non-slave states. But there wasn't like, you know, these states and these states and one over here. There was a straight crack. That tells you that the divide was largely geographic. That's what it tells you. What you didn't have was people literally hating their next door neighbor because of how they voted. Leading Now, after, who knows? But leading up to it, you didn't, I don't think you had that much. You, you didn't have that. And I'm not saying it was a better time, but I'm saying we are more divided now. And one of the reasons we're more divided is the dissemination of information is easier than it's ever been in history. People are the most informed idiots that they've ever been in history. And whatever it is you want to believe, there is a hundred things to reinforce that belief. And no matter how logical the counter-argument, there are a hundred things destroying that counter-argument. They don't have to be true. They just have to say, oh, that's wrong. I, I, I cannot think of a society more divided where it hasn't been religion. I know religious people are going to get mad at me. But honestly, the number one thing that creates divides in society is religion. If you look at the history of the world... And I'm not talking about one one group invading another as much as I'm talking about splitting an existing entity. It's been religion. It, and it's because it's been a major tool of the state. Whether the religion's right or wrong, doesn't matter once the state grabs onto it and uses it to its own ends. For if, if nothing else, you should understand that the truth can be used for bad things, depending on how it's used. A gun can be used to defend your home or murder people, Right? Religion is the same way. It can be used to save people or it can be used to destroy people. But I, I don't know that there's ever been a time that we've been more divided than we are. And when you are that divided, that which you think is impossible becomes probable. And, and why, why would you think otherwise? You know, this is what it is. It's American arrogance. Well, not us. Because if you told somebody, hey, you know... Um, Germany could split back in East and West Germany someday. Oh, yeah, sure it could. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to, but at some point, of course, it could. 
right? Or the, the map of Europe could be remade again. Certain countries merging together, others breaking apart. That could happen. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. South America, Brazil is a huge country, and there's a pretty big divide down there. And there it could split in half someday. Oh, yeah, sure, it could happen. You don't even know why, but you'd be like, yeah, you know, of course it could happen. You tell people that about the United States. Oh, no, never. Why? Why? This, this miss understood in the first place belief in American, American exceptionalism is one reason. See, even the people that in general kind of hate America and what America stands for still believe in American exceptionalism. They go, well, not here. It's a common defense mechanism anywhere in the world, by the way. Well, not here. Not here. No. I guarantee you there were, there were Jewish people in Germany before World War II. They were like, well, they're not going to round this up. They're not going to exterminate us. They, they just, they, you know, they made us register and they took away some of our rights and it sucks. But, you know, Germany's still better than any other country we could live in. You don't think there's people that said that? Really? I'm telling you right now, it is very possible you could see a breakup in this country. And the reason I say Texas is not arrogance and it's not pride. It's logistics. When I look at, you have to be able to refine your own fuel. You have to have a seaport. You have to be able to provide electricity to your citizens. You have to have a good agricultural base. When I look at all that, the only state that I see that can cleanly do this is Texas. And if so goes Texas, so may go the nation eventually. And I think there are a lot of people that on the surface would say, no, I don't want this. But when, they were, when it really came down to it, and they understood at least what they thought was in it for them, no more of these, you know, Terrible Texans helping to decide our elections or whatever. These stupid rubes from the South, etc. Like, you know, stupid, stupid, ignorant people on the West Coast, right? There's so many people that, like, say they're opposed to it, would, would, would come around to, wait, wait a minute, what's in it for me? Because that's what drives this country more than anything else. What's it? And that's what drives the world. Self-interest. Whether you want it to be true or not, it is. But I think it's very, it's very possible. And I'm not saying 100% on it. I am telling you 100% on the next one. The major cities are going to be transformed into places of total control of all walks of life. If you live in one, you will not have any recourse, and this does include what I've been calling the Beltway suburbs. There, there is a, a plan in place for total technocratic and oligarch-level control of humanity, and what it revolves around is an understanding. These people are not stupid, right? They, they, they send their children to be, quote-unquote, properly educated in the world of the psychopath, but they are, in general, smarter than the average person. And they know, thou cannot control all, so thou shalt control the majority. And they know that the way you control the majority is you focus on the population centers and push as many people into them as possible. You amalgamate that population and may render them as equally as you can, right? Where's a Kurt Vonnegut? Man was, men were not born equal, but it is government's responsibility to render them so. Harrison Bergeron. That, that is the plan. And it is going to su succeed. It is already well underway. 
The cities are being rotted into corpses by these lockdowns and mandates. People are fleeing them. Those left behind, the remnants left behind here, will be the most compliant, the most obedient, and those who gain the most from socialism and social controls. So they will allow anything to happen. Seriously, if you're living in L.A. right now, what is wrong with you? You have been told you are not allowed to take a walk. They are destroying your businesses while Hollywood can make movies across the street from them. And you're still there. That's because you're obedient and compliant. And I mean, literally, I mean, it makes me think of people who would have been stuck in Nazi Germany, number one on the list to go to a concentration camp, making excuses of why it's hard to leave, when it was a hell of a lot harder to leave there than it would be for you to leave L.A. or San Francisco right now, where homeless people shit in the streets, but yet you stay. And that's why, that's why it will be full control, because it will not only be allowed, it will be expected, and it will be cheered. And there will be no escape. You will not, I'm telling you, you will, in, in, in the suburbs of these major cities, if you want to plant a tree in your front yard, you will have to get an earth disturbance permit to dig a hole to plant a tree. And you think I'm kidding, because there's already places where that's, that's the case. There's already places where that is true today. Look it up. Earth disturbance permit and tell me I'm wrong. This is coming to all of these major cities. And the more liberal, the faster, but it's coming to all of them. You've got to get outside of the beltways. You have to. And when I say beltway, I'm not talking about the major interstate that makes a circle around your big city. I'm talking about when you stop having the endless connected suburbs that connect all the way back to the city. You've got to get out of that. And a lot of these mid-size towns are going to do the same thing. They're ground zero for Agenda 2030. Your towns with a couple hundred thousand people in them, they're the ones doing all these eco-controls, bringing all this shit in that they have no needs for. This plan has been executed perfectly. You've got to find your neutral zone. And it's not going to be a neutral zone because somebody says it is. It's going to be because it's going to be largely ungovernable. It's too much trouble. You're not worth it. That's how you're going to survive going forward if you want freedom and autonomy. You have to go to a place where you're thin enough in population. Ah, eh, screw those people. They're not worth it. We can't control them. It's too much trouble. Look at all the drones we have. We're in good shape. These people, they take the easy layups and they've made, you know, out of they've made 90% of the people an easy layup. If you're going to be the 10%, you've got to think differently, you've got to move differently. Next, People will defend pain of cognitive dissonance due to willful ignorance with violence and even to the point of taking a life, regardless of the facts they are presented with. In fact, I would say the more compelling the facts, the more violent they will become. I've always known that cognitive dissonance was a thing. I've talked about it at length for over a decade here. But the level of violence in defense of ignorance that I have witnessed this year has taken away any faith I have that the average person is even capable, even capable of overcoming cognitive dissonance at this point. And, and I'm back to one of my earlier points. It's because of the education system. And, and I think you really need to understand how we got here. We got here when we stopped teaching and started training. 
We now are trained. Think about how, just think about it this way. I'm going to teach you. If I say I'm going to teach you something, you probably feel pretty good about that. If I say I'm going to train you, if you still have true humanity in you, even if you're thinking, well, like you train soldiers or whatever, if I'm going to train you against your will, that should send some hackles up on your neck. If you don't, you, that's one of the first steps you need to take to break this if you're capable of breaking it. When you hear, we are going to train children, you should be like, hell no, not my child. That's how you get to the point where people will get violent because they are prevented, presented with conflicting information. A rational person, when presented with conflicting information, says, okay, now I have a dilemma, one that I must solve. I must examine this conflicting information. And I must determine whether I believe it or I disagree with it. And then I must make a compelling case as to why I'm right or why I was wrong. And then I must decide how to go forward. That is a common, logical, reasonable way to respond to being presented with conflicting information. Screaming and shrieking autistically, it's science, is not. It's not. It never was, it never can be, and it never shall be. I can't remember which president it was said something to the effect of how many legs does a dog have if you call its tail a leg. I think it was Truman. And he said four. Calling the tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. And that's literally where we're at now. Once you, We have people that if you taught them in school that a dog had five legs, that the tail counted as a leg, you could never convince them otherwise. You, you could never convince them otherwise. We can't even get consensus on how many spaces after a period when you type. Because two different generations were taught two different methods of that. And you think, you think that they, you couldn't convince people today that the dog had five legs? That the, the tail was actually a vestigial leg? You can make it sound really sophisticated? No, it's a freaking continuation of the spine, guys. Look at how a skeleton works. Ah, heresy! It's science! I learned it in school! That's literally where we're at. And people will defend it with... How do you think we ended up with the whole damn country on fire this year? You, what set people off more than police violence was counter-arguments against it being specific to black people. Because I'll totally tell you that police violence and, and excessive use of force is a huge problem in society today. Even within the confines of what we call the law. Not even speaking as an anarchist voluntarist. Right? Because obviously I think if you're going to go use force and violence against somebody who wasn't harming anybody, that's wrong. But even if I accept their paradigm, it's still a huge problem. But go out and try to con go give somebody facts about the number of assaults by law enforcement officers based on the race of the individual being insulted, and they, and they flip out, especially if they're a spoiled little white kid. They're the ones that flip out the most. No idea what's going on. Doesn't matter. They'll defend it with violence. The weak coward will use violence when confronted with facts that, that disconnect from what they've been conditioned and trained to believe. Next, number eight. Our supply chain is far more brittle than even I have been saying now for over a decade. 
I, I bet you if you go back and you listen to shows from 2008 when I started, you will hear terms like just-in-time inventory. And you will hear me discuss how little it would take to disrupt our supply chains, how something as simple as a trucker strike or a longshoreman strike could have massive implications for the average person that no one ever thinks about. But when I witnessed March and April in this country, the panic buying that went on, the literal insanity within my own audience, by the way, of people who should have been easily prepared for what we had to deal with here, at least from a supply standpoint, because it wasn't that tough. And I saw how close our supply lines came to just basically collapsing. I realize there's, there's two pieces to this. There's two pieces. One is the, the lines themselves do have a brittle nature to them because you're doing so much with so little for so many. It's, it's actually a logistical marvel that a country like the United States can stay supplied pretty much through all 50 states with the majority of things people want and need at any one time. It's pretty much a marvel. And because of that, it's, it's been built to its full capacity. It's been built with massive efficiency. That's the way you make it work. You build it incredibly efficient. It's like an airline that perfectly fills every plane every time and always takes off on time all the time instead of overbooking planes and having five people sitting there going, why are you bumping me off the flight that I bought three months ago? But if you have that, it just takes little tiny nick to disrupt it. And I've known that we have brittle supply chains. That's why I've been teaching preparedness since 2008. But it's far more brittle than I ever believed that it was. And it's becoming more brittle day by day. And we are literally behaving in a suicidal way in regard to it as a country. As though the people in charge of this country want it to fail. And I don't think it's... You know, I wouldn't say that's 100%, but I don't think it's going outside the boundaries to say that's the most highly probable reason. Because when things fail and people suffer, they look for solutions. And who do they turn to? The state. And the state has always throughout humanity run a balance of pushing people to the point where they needed them without going so far as that they get their heads cut off in the streets. But boy, I'll tell you what. One thing the United States has gotten right from a standpoint of the psychopaths in charge over the years is building a resiliency against having their heads cut off in the streets. You know, if you ask people today if, if monarchy was ever moral and ethical, was it ever ethical that, you know, King George was born the first son of a prior king and, and, and controlled the British Empire because of he was born into it and you had no say over who your king was? Almost nobody today would say, sure, yeah, that was fine, that was great, it's a good system, we should, we should bring that back. But I guarantee you, if you told somebody, a subject of the empire at the time, hey, what the king's doing is wrong, they would have told you, hey, yeah, I know, but what are you going to do? I mean, look how much control the monarchy has. Look at how much force they have at their disposal. And yet plenty of, plenty of colonies, nations overthrew them and cast them off. And throughout the history of monarchy, plenty of times, kings or queens were drugged into streets and strung from trees, or worse. Right? Plenty of times it happened. 
You would call that system unethical. But the ability to change it was higher then than it is now. It is more difficult to change the apparatus of governance in our society today to fight back, to affect real change than it has ever been in the history of the world. And they become more powerful the more you depend on them for. Like, oh, health care, universal basic income, who will build the roads. You know, I said today online that The position of the statist is that there are valuable and necessary and wanted services in the world, but the only way to get people to pay for them is to force them to do so. That's the entire position of statism. Well, our supply chain is proof in many instances that that's not true. The majority of goods and services that are exchanged are done so voluntarily throughout the world, even far more socialist nations than ours. That is the case. But if you can't counter reality, you control the perception of reality and you control the distribution of goods and services. And that means you can disrupt it when you want to. And we have orchestrated our own freaking depression. Because we're in a financial depression, whether you understand that or not. Just the fact that we've inflated it with fake money doesn't change it. You're living in the middle of an economic depression right now. Probably the most comfortable economic depression that's ever happened in history. But it's going to get worse. And our supply train is going to suffer greater blows in 2021 than it did in 2020. It won't all be at the same time. It'll be in different places, and I can't tell you where. But if you're lacking, put up stores now. Don't do it when everybody else is doing it, because that's when it breaks. It takes about a 10% surge in any sector to break that sector. I don't care if it's toilet paper, bottled water, chicken, pork, beef, noodles, bread, whatever it is. It takes about 10% surge. About 10% more demand than has traditionally been there overnight, and it's broken. Number nine, the world of science is dead and has been replaced with neo-mysticism. This is what Vin Armani refers to as the dim age. I prefer neo-mysticism because I think it's easier to comprehend. It's easier for the average person to get their head around. It's not intentionally cryptic. Vin likes to be intentionally cryptic. It's his, it's his, it's his apparatus. It's his MO. He's good at it. I'm not, I'm not putting it down. I, I don't like to be cryptic when I'm teaching. Or trying to get people to understand things. I like to put it right out in front of you. So I'll just tell you that the word neo is often misunderstood. Neoconservative, neocon, right? Neoliberal, neo. Neo means new. So to say neo mysticism is just new mysticism. New mysticism. You wear this mask and you'll protect the person across the street from you that you're no threat to in the first place. Oh, okay. Neo mysticism. Someone has information that conflicts with what the mainstream story and narrative is. You shriek, it's science, fool. And then, oh, okay, it's science. Being able to say it's science as an objection is mysticism. It, it, it flat out is. There's no way around that, that it's mysticism. Because that's not science. Science doesn't work that way. You don't say, well, this thing is, is is wrong. And then somebody can just say, well, it's science that you're wrong. Oh, okay. That's not how science works. Science requires 
It requires intense, studious debate between informed parties. It, it requires rigorous debate of facts and their interpretation and what they mean. Or it's not science. When you take something like what actual science is supposed to be, and you turn it into an ability for someone to simply say, it's science, or it's settled science, and that to be the end of the discussion, it's mysticism. It's no different than you say, well, why are we doing this? Because God said we're supposed to. Oh, okay. Why are we doing this? It's tradition. We've always done it this way. Oh, okay. Why, why are we doing this agricultural thing? Right? It would be an example of xi farming in Africa. It's a perfect example of this. They dig a bunch of holes, they put a bunch of compost in it, and then they plant their crops. Well, that was always done for some reason, we don't know why, after the rain started. And a farmer, uh, I think his name was Yakuba Sokodoa, you can look up the video about it, the movie about it, it's called The Man Who Stopped the Desert, decided, hey, that's stupid. Why don't we dig the holes and put the compost in it before the rainy season? That way the ground's open and receptive when it rains. And they tried to destroy him for it because he dared buck tradition. That's mysticism. The spirits will be angry if we dig the hole at the wrong time. This mask works in spite of 12 random controlled studies that say it doesn't work when it comes to mass masking. It's science. You're wrong. Oh, okay. There is no difference. There is no difference. The ability to chant a phrase and cause a person's belief to either become anchored or change is literal mysticism. It's religion. It's faith. It's not fact-based. And the vast majority, it works on unbelievably well. We think that we're so much more sophisticated than the people that used to throw virgins into volcanoes. We're no better. In many ways, we're worse. At least they threw one virgin into the volcano. They didn't destroy the lives of millions, which is what we're doing today. We're destroying the lives of millions to the point where they metaphorically are throwing themselves into the volcano because they don't want to live anymore. Whether they do it by taking pills or shooting themselves or hanging themselves with their belt in their bedroom, we have record suicides because mysticism. And it is due to the death of science. There is no science. Do not confuse technology with science. Do not confuse the two. You can have advancing technology in absence of real science. Because the science that you do for the technology is specific to how do I get this thing to do this thing? But when it comes to the ideas that we teach and disseminate and how we challenge those ideas, You can have advancing technology and the death of science at the same time. And that's what you're looking at. And if you believe anything because it's science is part of the argument, you're proof that mysticism is real. Neo-mysticism. Number 10. I believe firmly now, 100% in what I'm about to say. It's no longer optional if you want to have anything approaching autonomy and freedom over the next ten, within the next 10 years. Those who do not wish to take part in this lunacy must partner, trade, relocate, etc., or they will be assimilated like a Borg drone. I don't think you can stay in these places that are going to come under full control and not come under full control. 
I, I don't think it's possible. I don't even think it's possible that, like, well, you'll fight back to the point where they'll crush you. I, I think you'll literally be assimilated. Like, if you are surrounded by this shit for long enough, you will just go along and get along a little bit at a time until you wake up and you are assimilated the way, if you've not seen Star Trek, these Borg, these, these horrible creatures that are like part cyborg, part human, or part, you know, humanoid, because it's various species. One walks up to you and like sticks these things that come out of their hands and they go into your neck and these things called nanoprobes go into your body. And they start reprogramming and building things within you until you are completely controlled by the hive mind. That's your future in major cities in this country. That's the future of your children staying in the public education system. That's the future. You have to get away from the freaking collective or you will be part of the collective. And it can't be done alone. It can't be done alone. Not with any real meaning in your life. You want to go be a, what do they call it, a hermit living up in the, in the wilderness? Go ahead. But if you're going to have anything approaching a normal life, you're going to have to have other people that you partner with. You're going to have to have mutual support groups. You're going to have to have your own money. You're going to have to have your own commodities. You're going to have to have your own resources that are independent. And it doesn't even mean that we won't use their shit. It means that we won't depend on it for the basic necessities of life. Because that's when you're controlled. If you depend on somebody for the basic necessities of life, so that you can be warm, so that you can be clothed, so that you can eat, so that you can drink, so that you can have your, your basic necessities met, food, water, shelter, health and sanitation, security, right, energy, if you don't have those pinned down for yourself, you are directly dependent on whomever provides them to you. And you think it's not the case? You think it's not the case? Put people in a prison. Don't have the basic rules of prisoners enforced by guards or whatever. Just don't feed them and turn off all the power and say, hey, you guys establish an order in here. We're not going to feed you or give you water or, or anything. There might be some complete melee for a while. The weakest killed, the strongest coming to the top, but what are they going to do? If they can't get out, if you just keep them inside, what are they going to do? They will create a hierarchy, they will create organization, and they will give you whatever you want so you turn the lights on, feed them, and give them water. Because it's human nature. If you stay in these places, you are willingly choosing to stay within the walls of a prison whose walls are literally the walls of a phantom. But it will become more and more real. It's like a hologram. It becomes harder and harder to walk through that fake wall over time because your mind becomes more and more convinced that that wall is real. It's where we live today. And if you feel kind of demotivated after listening to this one, you don't have to. I gave you this as a, the, like a final wake-up call for the people that are still clinging to the fact that the new normal will go away and the old normal will be restored someday. That they'll willingly just give you back everything they've taken. They won't. They won't. Does that mean that we can't ever take it back all the way? That we can't reclaim these places that I'm saying to get out of? Oh, we can, eventually, maybe. I can't tell you that it's definite, but it's possible. But then you're going to have to have a rebellion that's self-sufficient, self-reliant, sets an example. You're going to have to have people that these, these, these automatons, these drones, these borgs look at and go, wait a minute, why aren't they all dying? 
Why aren't they all fall? Why are they all happier than us? They're not all these rich guys that are in charge living in mansions. These are just normal people living out in the place they said is dangerous for us to go because that's going to come too. They're going to say it's dangerous to go out in the woods. It's dangerous to go out in nature. It's dangerous to farm without a farming license. You watch. All this kind of nonsense. And these people, they'll believe it. You have to let go of faith in these people. You can have faith in any individual that you want to. I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying that the majority, you can't, you must let go of faith that the majority are capable of breaking this. They can't. And once they have the majority, they have everything because our society is ruled by a majority. It's ruled by an elite leveraging a majority, if that makes you more comfortable with what I just said, because you're a very think, see that, if you're, if you, if you needed that, that means that you, that means this is working and you are a thinking being. You are beyond the level I'm speaking at mostly today. If you, if you needed to hear that. But so many aren't. The Karens and Kyles of the world are in control. And they're in control because the people that are really in control want them in control. And because those people control them. It's all a game to them. Controlling humanity. And they think they're doing it for our own good. They do not believe that the average person has the ability to care for themselves. They don't believe the average person is deserving of freedom. They believe in a hierarchy based on wealth and privilege but not the kind that they tell you to be upset about. Generational wealth, generational privilege. A lot of these people that you think are new billionaires, they're not new billionaires. They're sons and daughters and cousins and nephews of the connected. It's like an expanding hydra of control. Listen to me today. Hear my words into your soul. Free yourself. Free yourself of their systems of control. Get off their social media. Stop listening to their media narratives. Stop believing you're making a difference by sharing a picture with your uncle who thinks it's wrong. Stop expecting that they're going to change. Take your life under your control. Reclaim your privacy. Reclaim your right to true education. Take a step back. Teach yourself what the trivium is, the classic educational model, and start applying it in your life. Believe that you have rights beyond what a piece of paper claims you have. Believe in far more rights than, you, than your vaulted constitution supposedly protects for you. I hear this all the time. It doesn't grant us right. It protects our rights. Really? How's that working out for you? Because as far as I can see, our government uses that thing as a toilet paper roll on a daily basis. Your rights are so, so far beyond what is enumerated in our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. So far beyond that. If you truly have a right to your property, then no one else can claim a right to it because they got elected or given a title. Do you see how simple that is? You are a sovereign fucking being. Act like it. Don't point to something somewhere outside of yourself as to why that's the case. I believe we have these rights through our creation. If that's God to you, fine, but it's something God gives you those rights. 
Because if God gave you those rights and God is all-powerful, you'd freaking have them, wouldn't you? A true right must be claimed. It cannot be granted, given, or even freaking protected by a third party. Because you can say that a person has a right. You can pass a law that says it may not be infringed. And if you turn around and infringe it and they let you, they don't have the right. You don't have any single rights unless you defend them individually through action and taking your own actions to defend and protect them. The Constitution guarantees you absolutely jack, square root, F all. Nothing. Nothing. I know that conflicts with everything you've been taught, but look at your government today. And I guarantee you, the average person with an IQ over 85, if they give it 20 logical minutes, can come up with 20 ways that the government is in violation of that very Constitution right now, this minute, and has been for years, and nothing ever shall be done in that respect about it. So it doesn't grant you shit, and it doesn't protect shit. They will go as far as you will let them. And they will go as far as the majority will let them. And the majority are quaking cowards, groveling on the ground, allowing themselves to be sodomized by government. That's what they are. Accept it. And then stand up and don't be one of them. Build your own life. Build your own networks. Claim your own privacy. Do not allow this to be done to you or to your children. The days where you could join a thing to fix this are gone. You must be at a being willing to fix this for yourself, and then you will attract others willing to do the same thing. This can be our greatest moment in humanity. It really can. It can be our finest hour. But it is going to come with darkness. It is going to come with bloodshed. It is going to come with a fight, or it will not come at all. And the first step in being able to fight a battle is to take a position that is defensible. You must first get into a defensible position, then you get your shit together, then you go on offense. I don't have any more. That's all I got for you today. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to have an ending segment or anything like that. You guys know if you want to support the show, you can do your online shopping at T-Spaz. Don't worry about what the item of the day is today. I'm going to go straight to our song of the day. This is a great song. This is a great song for today. And it, it, it isn't because it's supposed to be. And it's going to sound counterintuitive at first when I give you these lines. The song uh, is called Maybe It's Time by Bradley Cooper. And it was part of a movie like called The Star is Born or something like that. I know nothing about so I won't I won't talk about the movie. But here was the line drop I put out today from it. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die takes a lot to change your plans and a train to change your mind. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Now, I know many of you are very traditional in your beliefs, in your culture, in your faith. That's not what this is about. It's not what it's about in the song. It's not what I'm bending it to be about in the context of what we talked about today. Not at all. You can have your culture and your beliefs and your values. I sure as hell do. That's why I'm doing this. But the old ways in which we defended them, the old ways in which we promoted them, the old ways in which we ensured their continuity are 
gone. The world has changed. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you, you wish there was actually a reset button and we could go back to the way people thought 50 years ago. It doesn't exist. It's a fantasy. Let go of it. You're a grown-ass man. The ways in which we defended these traditions and values and morals are gone. It doesn't mean they are. It requires new thinking. It requires new techniques. It's time to let the old ways die. And it's time to create new ways. A new genesis of freedom. And it's up to you. But you, this is the hard part. And this is so hard for people that have been conditioned the way that we have. You have to start by yourself. In your own life, in your own backyard. You have to start there. Because the people willing to do it with you won't be willing to do it with you until you show that you're willing to do it on your own. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. It takes a lot to change, man. Hell, it takes a lot to try. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Nobody knows what ways for the dead. Nobody knows what ways for the dead. Some folks just believe in the things they've heard and the things they read. Nobody knows what ways for the dead. I'm glad I can't go back to where I came from I'm glad those days are gone, gone for good But if I could take spirits from my past and bring them here You know I would, you know I would Nobody speaks to God these days Nobody speaks to God these days I'd like to think he's looking down And laughing out of ways Nobody speaks to God these days When I was a child they tried to fool me Said the worldly man was lost and that a hell was real Well, I've seen hell in Reno And this world's one big old Catherine wheel Spinning still Maybe it's time to let the old ways die Maybe it's time to let the old ways die It takes a lot to change your plans Hell, a train to change your mind Maybe it's time to let the old ways die Oh, maybe it's time to let the old ways die